are listening to In a City Like Yours, a semi-monthly podcast featuring interesting people with interesting life stories. This podcast may contain language and or subject matter not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. I'm your host, Michael G. Moore. On this episode, I chat with John. John was bullied from sixth grade through high school and even into his adult years. Because of this, he developed PTSD, anxiety, and extreme depression, all of which would later help shape his personality. He was able to work through most of this with his involvement in theater and the visual arts. Today, he is a successful actor, director, and painter. He has conquered his psyche and come out shining. Here is John's story. Hi, I'm uh, John. I'm 41 years old. I, uh, I'm an actor and I'm a visual artist and a writer and I'm uh, gay and I'm uh, uh, bipolar, man, you know, manic depressive and have severe depression and um, PTSD from years of uh, bullying in middle and high school. Well, you know, growing up in near elementary school and everything, I was a very happy child. I, uh, I did have, there was a little bit of, uh, sexual molestation as a, as a child from an, from an uncle on my, my dad's side, but other than, you know, that I didn't, that was, you know, brief and I didn't let that get me down and I was a very happy child and elementary school was great and I, uh, I had a lot of, you know, a lot of friends and it was a wonderful time and then, uh, they announced that they would be building a new middle school in our area, and then I would be the first class to start out there. You know, I was going to start sixth grade the next year. I think this was like 1998, um, and I was going to start out sixth grade. And so I would be the first sixth grader to go to this new school. And um, uh, that, you know, next year when I started school, that's when everything changed. Um I, uh, I don't know, you know, I, I was, you know, I was kind of a quiet kid and, um, even though I had a lot of friends, you know, in elementary school, but I got to middle school, I was, I I was very, very shy and, um, quiet and, um, a lot of my friends didn't transfer over to that school, so I I didn't know a lot of people, plus a lot of the seventh and eighth graders that were supposed to that were going to be at the high school, because that's normally where the 7th and 8th graders had been, they transferred over to that school. So there were a lot of kids there that were there that were older than me. And it, you know, it made me very nervous. I was not used to that, because at the elementary school, they sort of kept us all separate. I guess I was about 11 or 12. It's sort of in 6th grade, so I was 11 or 12. So there were these, you know, 13, 14-year-olds that, you know, seemed like they were, you know, towering above me. And... You know, maybe a little shy, and so I was kind of quiet, and it took me a while to make friends, and I, I did make some friends, but uh, I uh, you started to get picked on for being, for being quiet, and, you know, shy, and kept to myself, and, you know, I started hearing these words, you know, faggot and queer, and I'm like, you know, what is that? And, you know, I uh, didn't, you know, realize at the time that I was gay. I didn't identify as anything back then. You know, actually, I was you know, a kid, and I didn't, you know, I didn't understand what this was. And it, you know, over time, it, you know, it kept on happening. And I thought, you know, what is going on here? 
you know, my mother was, you know, kind of a pacifist, you know, she, you know, if you, if you start to fight, you know, she stood up for herself, but for the most part, she didn't believe in, you know, violence or anything, and my father was kind of an absent father, he was gone, you know, work all the time, so I didn't really, you know, get to know him, so nobody had really taught me about, you know, fighting back, so I kind of, you know, took it, and didn't really stand up for myself. I was very, you know, very kind of meek. I sort of think of myself as kind of, uh, to borrow the, uh, Mr. Rogers neighborhood, I sort of think of myself as Daniel Tiger. You know, you know that kind of very meek and quiet and, you know, soft-spoken kind of person who's kind of, you know, afraid of everything. So sixth grade just, you know, Proceeded to get, you know, worse and worse and the bullying, you know, got worse. And I, um, you know, started to retreat into myself and was just afraid of everything. And, um, and, uh, I, uh, I had a very bad, uh, dyslexia when it came to math. I'm uh, what's called dyscalculic. I have a bad thing with numbers. And so I, I couldn't pass, uh, the sixth grade math. So I ended up having, to repeat the sixth grade. <laughs> so I thought, great, I'm going to have to go through this all over again. So I ended up repeating sixth grade. And my English class in that next year in the sixth grade was it was really one of the worst that I had of, of all time. The, the bullies there were just, just outright terrorists. And uh, it actually got so bad that I started skipping that class and I would uh I would go in, I would make it look like I had signed out for the day in the office. I don't I still don't understand remember how I did this. I it's ingenious. But I would make it look like I signed out for the day and then I would go back to the next class and but I would have but I, I would hide out in the bathroom. And if if, you know, a teacher or did they say did the rounds, I would stand on the toilet and you know, so they wouldn't see me into there. And um, I hid out from that class for, you know, weeks at a time. And the teacher finally figured out something was up and took me up to the office and said, you know, look, if he's skipping my class, and they said, well, no, we've got records here saying he's just been inside out. He must have medical problems or something. His mother's been taking him home every day. And she's like, okay. And I never, I never got in trouble for it. I got, I totally got away with it. And, um, I became friends with that teacher years later, and I never, I always wanted to tell her what I'd done, but I, I wasn't, I, I never got around to telling her, and I, that I lost touch with her. I still wonder what happened to her to this day. I've tried to look her up on Facebook, but I can't find her, but she was one of my favorite teachers. I loved her. She was, she was brilliant. She read us all of the, uh, Rob Dahl books, um, all of them practically, but the, uh, the students were just so horrible that I just couldn't stand it. And I, I mean, the things they would do, you know, screaming and hitting and I, I, it's just, it was a nightmare. I mean, I couldn't focus on my work. I couldn't, and I was, you know, I loved school up until that point. You know, I was, you know, kind of a teacher's pet at elementary school. And so to not be able to focus on my work and, not be able to do well in school. It was really beginning to get to me and the teachers wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't do anything about it. You know, they would see it happening and 
they would just let, you know, let it happen. And, you know, I think there was one uh, counselor, I remember one counselor in, at the school that was very, you know, she would listen and she would understand and, you know, try to do her best. But, you know, she couldn't make them stop. You know, if you, if you, if she tried to talk to them, they just get worked, you know, sometimes it's bad because you, you know, ratted on them. And that just made it worse. And so, uh, so I went through sixth grade again and then I got seventh grade and, uh, and the kids, you know, they got bigger and stronger. And, um, the ones I remember in seventh grade that were the worst, I don't know why I remember this the most, but for some reason, the black girls were the worst. They, they would really, I don't know if this was, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be racist or to have many black friends. I love all of them, but you know, I don't know if it was an urban thing or what, but they just loved to start fights with me. And, and then they would, you know, they would, they loved, you know, they loved to get a rise out of me and see if they could try to get me upset. And then if I dared to fight back, then they got angry and they would, you know, hit me and everything. And, so they would physically abuse you, not just mental. Or physically. Yeah, they, you know, uh, sit behind me and you know, pop me in the back of the head and throw things at me, and um, you know, find me in the hallway and throw me against the locker, or throw me down the stairs. And, but uh, uh, yeah, so you know, that just got worse and and worse. And um, eighth grade, uh, eighth grade got interesting because. In eighth grade, by then I had kind of discovered that I was gay. And um, I met a boy in my eighth grade English class. And I, uh, apparently he'd been going to school either with us forever, but I'd never either knew him. And um, for some reason he started being, being nice to me one day. You know, kind of one thing led to another, and one week at he ended up spending the night over at my house, and, you know, we kind of got romantically involved. But the next week, when he got back to school, and I tried to talk to him, he started, you know, being really mean and, you know, picking on me and everything in front of everybody. And I realized, okay, he's, you know, gonna save face, and... You know, he would, so he would take on me during the week, and then he would spend weekends at my house. And we would be like romantically involved. But he didn't, you know, want anybody to think that he was gay, so he couldn't be nice to me during school. And I don't know why I let that go on, you know, why I let myself, you know, be disrespected like that. I guess I was starved for attention or, you know, some kind of physical contact that I, you know, let that go on. And he was, you know, he was very mentally, you know, manipulative and, you know, kind of blackmail me for if I had something that he wanted, he would, you know, threaten to tell and I would, you know, have to give it to him and this and that. And that just went on for a couple of years. And, um, well, I say went on for a couple of years. I mean, it just went on for a while and it only lasted that one year. So, uh, eighth grade, I, uh, came, I finally, I came out to my mom. She, uh, she found a letter that I had kind of romantically written to myself about another boy and came out to her. She was fine, but I wasn't ready to come out to, you know, students because 
I don't think I wanted to admit to them, you know, that they were right about me. So, you know, I, I wasn't out yet. And, you know, so they just kept on with the queers and the faggots and everything. And, and I thought, well, you know, if they think that that's such a bad thing, I definitely you know, I don't, just don't want to come out. So I stayed in the closet. And um, everybody, uh, everybody was supposed to transfer to this uh, local high school that was down the street. And I uh, decided I'd, you know, maybe try to make a change. And I told my mother I wanted to go to this other high school that was a half hour north. It was the only other one that I was eligible to go to that I could get bus to. There was um there was kind of a, a magnet school. You know, I say magnet school, that's you know, kind of a in you know, in our area that means, you know, it's kind of a improved, you know, educational, social, you know, they're just considered better schools, you know, but they expect more of you. And I couldn't get my grades up long, you know, well enough to get into that school. I knew I probably would have been accepted as gay and would have, you know, made friends and everything, but I couldn't get my grades up well enough to get into that school. But um so I decided, you know, I'd go to this other school. So I got there, you know, first day of, you know, high school and I thought, you know, I'm free, I'm away from all these people, I can start over. Well, one student from my middle school decided to go there too. Just one. And she started it all over again. So first thing she could, she started the rumors and then started it and spread like wildfire. And, you know, looking back, you know, I should have just said, you know, yeah, I'm gay. You know, the hell with you. I don't care what you think. But, you know, this was the early 90s, and, you know, there were still very few, you know, gay characters on TV and, you know, in the media, and, you know, it was still considered, you know, a very bad thing for the most part. You know, AIDS was still, you know, raging and was considered a gay disease and this and that. So we had all the, you know, decks stacked against us still back then. And, um, so I, you know, rather than fight back, I just, you know, let that go on. And I, uh, I did do one thing that was kind of good for me. I decided not to take gym, which, you know, had been a nightmare for me in middle school. That was, cause I'm, I'm very bad when it comes to physical, you know, sports and things. I'm just, you know, typical, no, nah, I'm just not good at sports. So I decided to take ROTC instead, and that would at least get me away from the bullies for an hour a day because, you know, it's very structured, and, you know, they all have to remain, you know, quiet and disciplined, and, you know, they report to the, you know, head general or head, you know, whatever, I can't remember what they all called each other back then, you know, we all were, you know, were yes sir and no sir, and everybody minded their P's and Q's, so that was a relief. I hated wearing the damn uniform once a week, but I got used to it. So high school just was, you know, middle school just magnified, you know. They were bigger and stronger, and it just got more violent. And here I am, you know, still trying to either come to terms with it, yeah, discovering who I am, and, you know, I started making my own, you know, decisions for myself and dressing you know, think about clothes and things. And I remember one funny thing was, you know, I, uh, 
me and my friends did it. We would shop at all these, you know, these designer clothes places. And, you know, I was wearing all these nice, you know, designer clothes. But, you know, this was a rural school up in, you know, the northern part of the parish. So these kids were wearing, you know, like country clothes. And so even though I'm, you know, sitting here like, you know, the height of fashion, I look like the freight because I'm not wearing the farmer's clothes that everybody else is. And I thought, you know, you people just are, this is just ridiculous. So uh, even when I try to fit in and, you know, go with the flow, I don't fit in. And, you know, unlike in, you know, eighth grade where I at least had that one, you know, guy, um, you know, he transferred to the, the local school, so I didn't see him again. And I was actually glad to be rid of him because, you know, he was very vigilant and mean. Um, there were no gay people at my high school. There was, there was one male cheerleader who it turns out, you know, years later, you know, I'm friends with him on Facebook now and he is, he is gay, but I don't think he was open back then. And even though, you know, everybody knew he was gay, nobody picked on him for some reason because he was well respected. I don't know what he was doing that I wasn't, but, uh, so there was, there was no openly gay. There was no, you know, nobody to socialize with about that. So, um, you know, I did have a few friends, but for the most part, I, I was still a loner. And, um, I, I remember these two boys in ninth grade would, uh, they would pretend to make out with each other next to me to try to see if I would get like interested. And then she did so they're trying to you know prove that I was gay, I guess. And then um and then there was one boy that was into his very physically abusive and years later, um, he became a local kind of a big time local musician. I see him online and I just wanna, you know, say to people, Do you not realize what an asshole this guy is? Because, you know, I years later I approached him about, you know, the bullying and he claims, you know, not to remember it. And, you know, just kind of pushed me aside and dismissed me. And I thought, yeah, you'll never change. And uh, one of my good friends from back then is actually friends on Facebook with one of my bullies from high school. And I've yet to approach her about that. I just want to say to her, you know, do you not remember this guy? Do you not remember what he did to me? But I haven't said anything. But um, so uh, so 10th grade came along and I decided I just couldn't take it anymore. And um, I uh, I told my mom, you know, look, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to kill myself. I got my mom to let me transfer to the local uh, adult education program, and I got my GED and got out. I uh, I think I ended up graduating. I was 16 when I left. I was a sophomore, but I ended up graduating a year later, so I graduated when I was 17. So I ended up graduating a year early with an earlier class. So I didn't actually graduate with my graduating class. But, um, you know, and my, and I had the option of, uh, you know, actually going to the graduation ceremony, even though I got my GD. I was allowed to pick, you know, what high school I wanted my ring from. And for some reason, I still picked that god awful high school. I should have picked, you know, some other school and lied, but I couldn't lie to myself. So I have, you know, a ring from that school, and but I didn't go to the graduation ceremony. I didn't want to be around those kids. I know they would never have taken me back or accepted me, even if for that one day. 
So I, uh, but I didn't, you know, I didn't have a graduation ceremony. I didn't have a, a prom. I, you know, I sort of think of those years as, you know, being robbed of, you know, all those experiences that I should have had because of everything that happened. You know, it's like a big chunk of my life was missing or taken from me. So I, uh, you know, I graduated, you know, I got my GD and everything, but, you know, over the years, it just, it never, it never left me. And I, you know, I've been haunted by it, you know, ever since. And I, uh, you know, developed kind of a PTSD. You know, I get nightmares every so often of fighting off bullies. And, you know, I get panic and anxiety attacks. And, um, you know, I'd, I somewhat think that this may be where my, part of my bipolar came from. Because I was diagnosed with that at age 20. And, um... You know, nowadays, you know, back then I was so, you know, making quiet. And now, you know, I will start fights with a drop of a hat and be very opinionated. And, you know, I've driven a lot of people away over the years because of my loud mouth and opinions on, you know, Facebook and this and that. And I wish, you know, people would understand I don't mean to be that way. I just, you know, I spent so many years without a voice that, you know, now I, I sort of am, you know, a little too loud for my own good and I, you know, try to, I still feel like, you know, that kid that's trying to say, you know, listen to me and, you know, stand up for myself. So I don't mean to be so, you know, opinionated and brash. I just am not, I'm still not used to having a voice, you know. And um, I read something yesterday that said we remain, as, as human beings, we remain at the age in which we were loved the least. And I really feel that that's true. I still feel like that kid, you know, being picked on, you know, and, and hiding in the corners and, you know, hoping just to get through the day without, you know, something horrible happening. And, um, you know, now I, uh, I work as a film actor and I've had some, some great experiences, but, and in some ways, you know, things, things don't change. You know, I'm still haunted by this. And I, uh, I have a stalker locally. He's, um, uh, I'm not going to give away who he is or what he does, but he's, you know, posted things online and sued me for speaking back about him. And, you know, so, you know, in some ways I'm still being bullied by certain people. And, um, you know, like I said, I take medication for this, but, it, uh, so yeah, I, I you know I'm I'm doing okay now, but in some ways, you know, it just the past doesn't leave me. Well, once you talk a little bit about your theater experience, I feel like that was probably something that kind of solidified your strength. Yes, yes, it saved me. Um, in um, in ninth grade, I don't remember if I saw something in the paper or maybe on TV or what, but I I told my mom I wanted to take a local acting class. And, um, I, I went to, uh, it was in a nearby city across the river and, um, and, um, this woman, when they're teaching the class, she was very challenging and very commanding. And, you know, I was actually terrified of her. She still kind of terrifies me to this day, to be honest. Um, but she was a wonderful woman and she taught me so many things that she just brought something out of me that I'd never experienced before. And that's when I discovered that, you know, I could act. 
and that I, you know, was actually good at something. And I don't know if it was, you know, the fact that I got to be another person for a little while and, you know, the pain went away or, you know, what, but, you know, I, I started doing that and, um, you know, started getting little roles, you know, in local theater and, um, that, you know, kept on over the years and I went away to college and studied it. I, uh, you know, I kind of had a breakdown and was diagnosed as bipolar, so I actually didn't finish by my degree, but I still learned, you know, a lot. I went for quite a few years, actually, and took theater courses and everything, and um, came back and kept doing that. And now I, uh, now I direct plays and I act in plays and I act in film, and you know, it's just it's it's so freeing for me. It's 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 truly my my passion, and I I think I would have been you know, dead years, you know, a couple of years later, if I hadn't discovered that, if I, if I hadn't found something that, you know, took me out of myself and gave me a purpose. And you're also a visual artist. Yes. Um, many, many years later, I, uh, you know, just one day picked up a paintbrush and, you know, threw some paint on the canvas and, um, I don't think my early pieces are very good. I, you know, I paint abstract so they don't necessarily have to look like anything. But, um, yeah, I, uh, originally I painted, you know, an acrylic and did that for a few years. And, um, now I, uh, paint in, uh, it's called alcohol ink, which is kind of a very unique, um, uh, interesting art form. You have to look it up online to really understand it, but it's very colorful and vivid and, uh, the colors sort of stimulate my my mind and take me out of the depression for a little while while I'm working on them. And uh, they've, uh, yesterday I, I met with a critic that was in town and they seem to think that I should do this uh, full time and I'm going to have some solo shows coming up. And so I'm, you know, just now starting to be taken seriously for that. So that's kind of exciting. I was, you know, I never thought of myself as an artist before, but so that's I'm I'm really enjoying that. So you're you're 41 now, is that right? Yes, I'm 41. I'll be 42 in December. So it's very. It seems like that you've come to terms with most of your uh, bullying. I mean, I know you have PTSD, and that's still through your art, both acting and visual. It seems that that was probably the, the in the medications, I'm sure, uh, is the main thing that has really got you through. Yeah. Um, you know, I won't lie. I, I won't lie and say that I'm not, you know, a little bitter. I mean, I, there are times where I'm mad as hell. I, I sit down and I think about what happened to me, and I think, you know, I'm realizing there are other kids that probably had it worse, but were, you know, being abused at home and this and that. But I think, you know, I I should have had to be able to lead a normal everyday, you know, life and that just wasn't you know, that was just robbed taken from me. But at the same time I think to myself, you know, you made it through and you're stronger because of that. And nobody can take that away from you now. Nobody can hurt you now. You know, especially since at one point you were suicidal. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think to myself, you know, I, I never would have done that. I could not have put my mother, my poor mother through that. But I, uh, 
I also look at other kids that have, you know, committed suicide from bullying, and I think, you know, I understand their pain, and I know what they were going through. And I also, and this is going to sound, you know, pretty controversial, but I also look at, you know, certain school shootings, and I also sort of see, you know, in some ways where where those kids were coming from in a way, kids that had probably were being very bullied, you know, maybe not all of them, definitely, but, you know, some of them were probably being very bullied or had a bad, you know, abuse and this and that. And, you know, no kid, I don't think any child is born evil. You know, everybody had something happen to them that led to what, where, you know, where they ended up. Um, something I ask all the people I've been interviewing is what words of wisdom do you have to offer those who may be going through what you went through? Well, uh, a couple of years ago, somebody came out with a program called It Gets Better. And it's, you know, to teach kids that, you know, if you could just hang on, that, you know, you will get past this and you will be your own person and you will become an adult. And they can't hurt you anymore. And I really think that's the truth. You know, it does get better. If you can just think to yourself, these people don't matter. They are just insignificant. You know, in five years, ten years' time, they won't be able to touch me anymore. I will be away from you. I will be free. And I will be my own person. And I really wish I could have told myself back that I would have saved myself so much grief. But, you know, for anybody that's going through that now, just realize, you know, it, it does end and you will be away from them and they don't matter. They have, they are so insignificant in the scheme of things and they are so unhappy with their own lives that they are taking it out on you. And, you know, you, you shouldn't be afraid of them. You should pity them. So, you know, it, it just, it does get better. You know, if, if there are people that, you know, if you are going through this, you know, reach out to somebody. You know, you don't have to wait. You know, and suffer in silence. You know, there are people out there. There are programs that, you know, other phone, you know, chat lines. And you can find friends. You can confide in people. You know, you don't have to suffer like I did in, in silence. Of course, that was before the Internet, too. Yes, it was. It was pre-internet, and you know, I I think that if you know I grew up and you know today I would have been much better off. But in some ways, kids, you know, today have it just as bad. But at least they can get on the internet, and see, or look on TV and see other people like them that are you know doing okay. And but yeah, back then in the eighties and you know early nineties, we you know we didn't have cell phones and we didn't have you know internet for the most part and. It was just a very rough time for kids like me back then.